Zeros. I'm Josh Buckhalter. Follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Follow the pod on Twitter at Three Zeros Pod. On Facebook at Three Zeros Pod. That's the number three zeros pod. Uh, follow the website clockersports.com. Uh, email address is clockersports.com at gmail.com. Uh, clockersports at gmail.com. Website clockersports.com. Uh, Twitter and Facebook at clockersports. Got a lot to get into, man, because wow. First of all, there's some major NBA news that happened. Uh, just yesterday, we got playoffs in the NFL coming up, and we got rookies talking a whole lot of smack. But the big news of the day, I guess, of, of Thursday, because the trade happened uh, in the NBA happened on Wednesday, the big news of Thursday was Urban Meyer hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars to be their head coach. Now, this was not the only hiring of the day, but it was the biggest one, and it was, the funny thing about it is the other hire was also a major news, but it just isn't. Urban Meyer breaking college ranks and coming to the NFL. Now, this is something that has been long predicted, but nobody had ever seen it coming. Meyer has spent uh, the better part of two decades uh, in the college ranks, all for the past couple seasons, has been an analyst. Uh, but he's got a 85% career winning percentage, 12 and 3 bowl record. The Jaguars are 12 and 36 since 2017. That's when they won the division. They've been uh, just awful. <laughs> They've been an awful franchise for most of their existence. And now, People are saying that, you know, college coaches transition to the NFL is not always successful, rarely successful, in fact. And that's true. But here's the thing about Jacksonville and what I think about small markets. Now, I am a bit of a snob living in Market 3, which is funny because the Chicago organization, which we'll talk about uh, very shortly here, has been very disrespectful. But you, a small market team like Jacksonville needs this kind of a, of a celebrity hire, right? You need this kind of a name to kind of generate buzz. They don't do the kind of numbers that other cities do. And even though Jacksonville has been competitive, I don't want to say that because, like I said, their record's been horrible. But the fact of the matter is they need something that's going to that's gonna bring some buzz. You, there's, no, there's no energy there. They've had Doug Marone down there for the past four or five years um, running that thing into the ground. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence unless – Urban goes oppo and decides to go with Justin Fields. He won't do that, but if he does do it, you know, that would be the only reason that I can see for it. Um, they, they need this. This is the kind of thing that small market teams have to go out and do. Is it risky? Hell yeah, it's risky. Urban Meyer's got health risks. Um, there's risks, character concerns uh, because of the, you know, listen, we can go, we can litigate all of that. Again, that's not the point. I guess it is the point. <laughs> Bottom line is I think it's a good hire for Jacksonville because, again, small market teams have to do these kind of things. Otherwise, you lose your fan base. It's already hard to retain for you anyway, especially when you're not as competitive as you uh, as, as some of your other division mates. They're not going to win a lot of games next year because this, that, that team has pretty much been stripped by design. So they're, they got a lot of work to do. He has a lot of work to do, but he's already been building a staff. I've heard he's had a staff assembled or or – uh, at least had a staff in mind for the past couple of years. So, you know, 
We'll see how that how it turns out. The other hire was the New York Jets hiring Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator from the uh, San Francisco 49ers and formerly of the Seattle Seahawks. This is an interesting one to me because the Niners defense fell off, quote-unquote, uh, this past season. They were second in points, eighth in yards uh, in 2019, fifth in points, and 17th in yards this season. Now, I said quote-unquote because, obviously, with all the injuries, Nick Bosa going down, um, the, the woeful offense that they were having, and which is funny because it was still uh, offense that had that had some threat to it. But this one is more about the person. If you think about Adam Gase and his abysmal record and his abysmal, just him, <laughs> his abysmal self, this is the complete opposite type of person. Gase is a guy who, um, I mean, you didn't see him, I guess, the, I wouldn't say you wouldn't see him fired up, but you just didn't see him the kind of fired up you're going to see from Robert Sallow on the sideline. I would expect him to be a little bit more composed as the head coach as opposed to the uh, uh, the assistant, but you're still going to have a, a more, I think, player-friendly environment than what you had with Gates, who clearly had a standoff relationship with, with players upon uh, arrival. So that's always interesting to me to see how uh, it's kind of like a breakup, right? When you break up with, with a, your significant other, your next partner is typically, I don't want to say completely, but there's a, a very strong difference between the last and the next. Uh, that's what happened here. And, I mean, right down to what they were supposedly, you know, famous for. I say supposedly on Gates, not for, for uh, Salah. But the Gates came in with the offensive reputation, quarterback guru, although he built that largely off of uh, Peyton Manning's coattails, but we won't go there right now. Uh, I think both of these teams did the right thing. The Jets got a really – a leader, I think, of, of men in this room, a person who's going to command the room and be able to – hopefully hire the proper offensive staff because that's always the concern nowadays without uh, an offense in place. That's just have what? Maybe they view Sal as a guy before the guy or potentially that guy, but he's definitely going to bring some respectability back to that, some uh, credibility, excuse me, back to that position, that organization. The Urban Meyer one, I, I don't know what, Jack, that's what has to happen. This is what, ha that's going to be a young team. They got a ton of draft picks. Um, they're about to, like I said, get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, but it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. This is what you do. This is what Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, the only thing you can say is that Meyer hasn't been uh, in the game for a couple of seasons now. It's more than a couple. But he hasn't been in the game for a while now. And to that, I would just say he's got a pristine record. <laughs> and everywhere he's done, he's gone and turned into a success. Like I said, they might not win a lot of games, but they'll be interesting uh, and a, a team to keep an eye on. 12 and 36 since 27. 12 and 36. Damn. Ooh, that's rough. Four games a season. Mm. Anyway, uh, rookie Chase Claypool of the Pittsburgh Steelers is following a tradition that goes back at least to Antonio Brown uh, of Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers yapping. He has decided to down talk the Cleveland Browns who are in the playoffs while he is out of the playoffs thanks to the Cleveland Browns who beat the Pittsburgh Steelers two weeks in a row. First week was with the backups. So everybody kind of, you know, just kind of, wrote it off. Second time was for all the marbles, and um, like I said, Mr. Claypool has a lot of time to tweet right now. Anyway, uh, he won basically saying that the Browns were classless because of how they mocked Juju. You saw the video of the, of the Browns players in the locker room doing the, the, the motorbike or whatever the case. Look, I'm showing my age talking about it, right? <laughs> um, 
he said that he would have he wouldn't have been as salty if they hadn't been so classless. Blah blah blah. Here's the thing, man. Shut up, cause like shut up. It doesn't. Who cares, right? They were mocking uh, the Baltimore Ravens. The Steelers were when they beat them. Uh, so I this is this is silly. I wouldn't have been so salty. You still salty? What do you mean? Wouldn't have been. That means that you were over it. That implies you were over. Rookies, man's a rookie. I like it. Not really. Not really. You can't do that. You got to chill. Like, come on. I, I would have been so salty, but they were class, classless? Classless? Wow. That's when you cue to Chris Brown. How you going to hate from outside the club? You can't even get in. That's, that's, mm. that's not good. I, I mean, you know, Pittsburgh's about to go through some things this offseason. We'll see. But, uh, Claypool out here just trying to just yap. I don't get it. Speaking of the Browns, uh, they are the third matchup on the docket. That'll be Sunday's first game against the Chiefs. And boy, is that one going to be interesting to look at. First, though, we have to break down this Rams-Packers matchup that's going to take place in cold Lambo. Low 30s, high 20s is the forecast for this game. Listen, we know what happens when West Coast teams come East. It's not really an East Coast game. It's Central. But you add the, the earlier time. You add, it's 345, so it's like two something. Anyway, you add the cold to a quarterback in Jerry Goff who just had surgery on his hand. John Walford has been ruled out, by the way. So you're probably going to see some Blake Bortles in this game if, if Goff gets hurt. Wow, that'd be terrifying for the Rams. Uh, Green Bay, though, is going to be without Jared Velder, who everybody thought was going to be able to start in the playoff game. That's something that apparently won't be happening. Uh, but what we will see is, I think, a Packers victory. I'm not sure how, despite the fact, and Aaron Donald's going to be playing as well um, in this game. I don't see how the Rams come away with a W, though. The cold um, scheme for McVay is great, but the execution is just going to be, I think, what execute, and, and as much as we talk about bare weather here in Chicago, cold weather on West Coast teams is a thing. It just is. I'm not sure that uh, the Rams want that especially when like i said low 30s high 20s it's not necessarily when it snows it's when it's cold you heard that from Keyshawn johnson saying that uh it's like catching a brick being thrown at you 20 miles an hour so my prediction of this one's got to be the packers comfortably two touchdowns or two scores let me say that two scores uh that could be a touchdown in the field goal, at least 10 points i think that they're going to win this game by because i just i now their defense isn't great, and the Rams are going to be able to have their opportunities. I don't think it's going to be snowing, and if it is, I don't think it's going to snow the entire game. But the cold on that hand of golf, I, I, that's worrisome. That's worrisome. We'll see. Next game up is the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Buffalo Bills. I'm torn in this one because I've doubted both of these teams and been and had to uh, eat crow. And I don't doubt it because I dislike them. I actually like both quarterbacks. Growing to like Josh Allen, I was a supreme doubter of his until, you know, he started showing this accuracy that he's had this season. And he got my boys to find Dink, so I had to kind of pump him up, too. Um, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, we've talked about it. I uh, was the conductor of the Lamar Jackson MVP hype train. Got him there. Toot toot. Um, <laughs> this one, I don't know. This is a push for me. This is a complete toss-up, and I'll, I'll probably have to tweet something out again. Follow me on Twitter at Josh Chubuck on Saturday. Uh, before the game about my pick here because I, I like the Bills offense, but the Ravens defense is much is it is it much more opportunistic? Because here's the thing. Buffalo's defense is good, but it's really just good against the pass. They're not great against the run. And we know what Baltimore is about to do 
in this ground attack. Can both can Buffalo string Baltimore out enough to to rally to the ball and and shut that down? Um, is Lamar going to break off a big run? Is Josh Allen going to stiff arm somebody into the ground and break off a big run? This one is the is the one game I don't really have a, a strong sense either way of who I think is going to win, and that's that's odd because again. Just because of the fact that it's two teams who I doubted the week before and have proved me wrong, and I want to see both of them advance, it sucks that it's going to come down to one of them. But um, if I'm put on the spot right now, I'd have to say it's going to be Josh Allen in the build. I like Stephon Diggs and his chances of winning enough of those matchups against the Baltimore Ravens, Marcus Peters, uh, Marlon Humphrey. I know those guys are ridiculous. Stephon Diggs is ridiculous as well, and Josh Allen is playing out of his mind. Lamar is too, uh, but I think. If it comes down to having to keep up in some kind of a shootout-style game, that that's where it might go in Josh Allen's favor. Tough. That, I don't oof, I don't like it. Ow, oh, man. I'm going to say it. I don't like it. <laughs> Put that on the record. I picked Bills. Not liking it. Uh, next game, Sunday's first game, like I said, Browns-Chiefs. Now, this one's interesting. A lot of people are, are you know, trying to get, you know, underdog story, perfect timing. Uh, Browns can win this game. They can they can beat the Chiefs. They got the team forward, blah, blah, blah. Fact of the matter is, they do. They actually do. You know, they could, they have the run, the running attack for Chiefs ground uh, rushing defense. And DVOA is thirty one. They're thirty first in rush DVOA. That's horrible. So, um, you got the Browns offensive attack, offensive attack. That's uh, middle of the pack in passing, but they're up there. They're top of notch uh, in the rush game, rushing game. Good lord, I can't get this out. <laughs> they are middle of the pack in the passing game, but with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt back there um, in the backfield, they are of course a top-tier rushing attack. So that against the Chiefs is going to be their only hope because their defense is awful. They're going to have to get out into an early lead. I think we all know this, right, the formula to get try to beat the Chiefs for these Browns. Get out to an early lead, and, and, and I mean, that's going to have to be two touchdowns. We're not talking about 10 here. We're talking about 14 at least. And then hope that you can make enough plays on defense to keep them from coming all the way back because they're going to come back. You just got to make sure that and, and run the ball. Keep on running. I mean, 95% of my plays against this team would probably be between Hunt and, and Chubb getting the ball. I, that, be it handoffs or short passes, it's going to be them too because I'm not, you're not, nope, we're taking all this clock, son. And you're going to have to tackle. They're not great against the 16th against the pass, so Baker's going to have his opportunities too. But they better run the ball. If they want to have a shot, because we know what the Chiefs are going to do, they're going to get touchdowns. I'm not going. I don't see them scoring too many field goals, nor do I see that necessarily being a bad thing for them if they do. I don't see that coming back to bite the Chiefs in any way, shape, or form. The way I see failing to score touchdowns uh, negatively impacting the Browns. This game, I still have to be going with the Chiefs. I know people want them to be the Browns. They're a good story. They've actually turned it around. I'm impressed. Been impressed by what they're doing. Chiefs by about 10 points. And I think that's this is like I was saying with the Bills and the Ravens, if it comes down to having to be a shootout, while I think Baker can do it, he I don't I this is two Texas Tech guys, former for Baker, but you know, I, I don't know. I mm, mm, this tough. This tough because it wouldn't be on Baker, I don't think. He would have to make enough plays, but this would be on Chubb and, and Hunt. I don't know. I, I still say Chiefs. There's no way I can put, I can reasonably say that the Browns are going to come in here and beat the defending champs uh, at in Arrowhead, by the way, and with any type of certainty. Just can't do it. Last game on the docket is Bucks Saints. Now this one is also interesting because the Bucks 
lost to the Saints, as you know, twice this year. Tom Brady uh, was the first time he had been swept by an opponent in 20 years or some you know ridiculous number like that. And here's what we also know. It's really, really difficult to, to beat an opponent three times. So while, you know, you might want to say, well, we saw them not be able to, and I mean, like, not even not be able to, they're just not in the same class as the Saints. And I think it's a chemistry thing more than anything, but maybe that's been worked out now. Um, and I, I kind of want to lean Bucks this game. Uh, the, the Saints struggled, quote-unquote, against the Bears, who will, <laughs> I'll get into them in a moment. This Bucks defense is good enough, I think, to harass Drew Brees. That offensive line, though, for him is ridiculous. He gets the ball out so fast. Pass rush isn't really an issue. It'll be coverage, and it'll be the Bucks' ability, Tom Brady's ability to start fast and keep that, that pace up because he's going to need it with Drew Brees in the Superdome. But this has been the matchup that this has been building up to uh, all season long. Again, it's really hard to beat a team three times in a row, and the Bucks, I think, have kind of figured something. We'll see. I don't know. I think I just want to pick them because of that one stat, that one – it's not even a stat, but that, that train of thought that it's really hard to beat one opponent three times, and I'm going to go Bucks here, uh, that they still win. It's in the Superdome. Oh. Yeah, I can't do that. No. Saints get the three-peat trifecta and, and make Brady feel extra salty. I want to see if he shakes Drew Brees' hand. Drew Brees goes out uh, with a shot to get to the Super Bowl against Aaron Rodgers uh, in next week. So, Saints by, and I mean Saints by a field goal, though. This one's going to be tight. I think this one's going to be the closest one, but they just managed to do it, and it might be some fluky stuff, but the league, well, see, that's the thing. This, this is where it might come. This Keep an eye out on storylines and somebody and the refs, because there is, a, you know how Saints fans are with the referees. And we know how the bucket, how people are about the ref, the referees and Tom Brady. Let's keep an eye on how this develops. Just remember that we talked about this. <laughs> Last thing we have to discuss: the Bears' front office gave what might be the worst press conference I've ever seen by an organization, and I've watched quite a few. And I'm not saying I watch them all, but I've watched. A hefty amount, and good lord, there was nothing I've ever seen that was just as tone deaf as that, as detached from the people that you claim to think like. That's what threw me off the most. Uh, hearing George McCaskey, chairman, uh, son of Virginia McCaskey, say that he was proud of the leadership of Ted Phillips through all of this season. Now, granted, there's some things that we don't see. So that's fine. But to say that in light of the the actual football things that we saw going on, I think, missed the mark. Um, and especially because you didn't get specific in what he was saying, what what exactly he meant by that. Uh, then you had Phillips and McCaskey continu- continually talk about how Ryan Pace is the football mind uh, in the building. So what we had here, and I've heard this talked about on Chicago radio, is somewhat of a of a altering of the Bears' power structure, or or an enlightenment about of of, the, of us peons, because that's clearly what they think of us, of into the Bears' power structure. You have McCaskey, who owns the team, is a fan, and is kind of just there, and probably enjoys the conversations that uh, he 
supposedly that he, according to him, has with Phillips and Pace and Nagy, yes, all four, um, probably enjoys that as like insider access from a fan's point of view. I can see him being there as a fly on the wall and just really loving that moment. Phillips, a guy has been around for decades, uh, accountant by trade, has been reportedly, has people have long tried to say uh, that, you know, Phillips is not involved in football operations. But you heard them during that conference say that they all sit down and talk about things. And if he's talking about things with them, that's having input. That's having some kind of say. Now, you're not necessarily dictating policy in this instance, but you are definitely having some sort of input. Pace and Nagy then come on. And, and, and oh, oh, the best part was Phillips saying that had, had the straight-faced. Have we gotten the quarterback right? No. Have we won enough games? No. But we believe in Matt and Ryan. Well, hold the hell on. Hold on. You haven't won games, and you haven't figured out the most important position in the damn game. But you have faith in the guys who failed to do just that to now go ahead and do that. And the word of the day, if you haven't paid, if you're not in Chicago, if you don't know about this, but the word of the day here is collaborate. And all of its many forms, collaborative, collaboration, uh, uh, collab, collabo, um, it, it, it got really egregious with their usage that clearly it was in a memo somewhere that they were going to de- determine or they were going to talk about their relationships in this way. Uh, you heard either Phillips or McCaskey or probably both cite that they like how Pace and Nagy collaborate. And work through things and how, how they got through this season. The six game losing streak. You heard, you heard. <laughs> Ryan Pace said that most teams would have quit in the middle of, or he said uh, uh, most teams wouldn't have gotten through a six game season. Now he means collapse, but it just comes off as like, what do you mean they're, they're not going to, they wouldn't have come through? They're going to stop playing? Like it, it was one of the most, like I said, tone deaf things. You had Phillips come out and say they know that this move is unpopular, but they're going to do it. Basically, what they're telling you is the COVID is killing our money. Because remember, the Bears uh, owners, this is what this is their only income. This is what they do. They are saving money on these contracts. They don't want to co- they don't want to tell you when their when their uh, contracts are up, bristle when you ask, and yet and still you are expected to uh, continually eat that product up as a fan. It's it's disrespectful. And I, I, I shudder to think of what would happen if all media in Chicago was simply trying to explain it away. Like, I'm still I'm still finding it a little odd of the people who are able to separate Nagy and Pace in who needs to be jettisoned. I think most people agree on, on Mitch. It's not enough to address the other side. They're, they're delusional. He's gone. Especially now that those two are back. Chuck Pagano retires. But now, you just have to wonder. Like That's what makes it so crazy. They did this after their announcement. They did it, They waited another couple of days. So sloppy. So poorly handled. And it's going to get so much worse. They're about to go all in for a quarterback that, and, and probably overpay. And by which I mean set the franchise back for a few years overpay, either draft capital or, or salary cap, or both. Your cap situation is awful. 
this is not a good situation. It's just not good. And and now you need a new defensive coordinator. You're uh, presumably because they said they weren't going to give extensions to Nagy or Pace. I argue that's probably because they already gave them extensions, but whatever. Lame duck coach and GM got to find another quarterback. And at 20, no less, people are pointing to Mac Jones. Good luck with that. And you just told your fans that while we know we haven't done our jobs well enough and we know you don't like the decision we're about to make, we're going to make it anyway. Like this is, it's a slap in the face. I wrote that. I wrote that for that from pro football. The Bears to their, to their fans, let them eat cake. They know, they know that this is not the move and they're making it anyway. Eight and eight. Come on, fam. You react like a fan, but this is this. If you act like a fan, this is this is unacceptable. And and if you react like a, a competent and let me stop. If you reacted, if you reacted, you would see that this is this is a failure of leadership. This is a failure of the organization. The Bears. I read a stat on Twitter. The Bears had uh, ten seasons in their first fifty years where they failed to have a winning record. They've had 10 seasons in the last 14 years where they failed to have a winning record. This is bad. Guess who's been there for all 14? Mm. This is bad. And it's not showing any signs of getting better because they don't show any signs of caring that it's bad. They don't care that you know that it's bad and that you know that they don't care. Like, it's all bad. Oh, this is one of the most painful things I've seen and and... I shudder to think of what again what's what's about to happen because they've already told you mediocre's good enough. Green Bay's be beating us without in no such turn no no uh, not not as many words that Green Bay is gonna continue to dominate this division and we're not even gonna try to be competitive. Okay, see you, Allen Robinson. Maybe they'll figure out something with this cap and they'll they'll start breaking this thing apart midseason. We'll see. Doesn't look good though. Not promising. I'm not. I'm not not too excited about it. Switching gears over to the NBA, there was a blockbuster trade in which the Brooklyn Nets ended up with the beard. James Harden. That's right. Joins rejoins KD. Uh, joins Kyrie Irving if they could ever get Kyrie Irving to rejoin the team. Uh, but this was a four-team deal involving the Pacers, the Cavs, the Nets, and of course the Houston Rockets. Um, first and foremost. You gotta understand, James Harden just forced his way out of uh, out of Houston. So the winner here is James Harden. First and foremost, pure and simple, clear cut. James Harden. He got what he wanted. He's gone. Now, let's talk about what went where and who got what. The Nets sent Jarek Allen and Torian Prince to Cleveland. Prince probably is gonna get waived. Uh, Allen, though, is going to now join a bajillion other big men. Uh, Kevin Love is still there. You still got Andre Drummond. Um, oh, it's just there's too much going on. You got Karis LeVert and uh, Rodion's Curates going to the uh, Pacers. What I don't understand about it is that you now pair LeVert with uh, Malcolm Brogdon. And... 
by doing so, you have two guys who are much better with the ball than without. Now, granted, they can both shoot enough off ball to make sure that they don't need it, but you do wonder exactly uh, how that's all going to work. I don't, I don't necessarily think they, I don't think they got much better. I don't think Cleveland got much better. I think Cleveland has uh, a better setup than them, though, because at least Cleveland has young enough players to where you're going to see something development-wise out of them. Supposedly, this game, this was a, a moment where Irving and Durant went to uh, Sean Marks. Jim Sean Marks told them not to worry about touches. They're going to be able to share the ball. Um, this is a a huge trade for for Brooklyn if they can make it work. If Kyrie decides to come back, apparently he's happy. He reportedly is happy. Um, and we'll be joining the team soon, but you still have to wonder about the fact that, uh, you know, there's 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 no depth there. You you wipe out some of your depth, and you have guys who are moody to say the least. Like right, they're not they're not always reliable. Okay, Harden is a strip club guy, but he's he's pretty much going to play. He just doesn't ever take responsibility. KD is snippy, but he's the, probably the most efficient player the game's ever seen. Continually that, continue that uh, coming back this season off an of injury. You have Kyrie Irving though, who is probably going to have the hardest time adjusting. But it was apparently part of this. I, I this is a lot of star power, and you're not going to need much of a bench if you can just get some defenders and a spot up shooter. You still got Joe uh, Harris. If, if I'm reading this correctly, making sure that I got all the trade pieces correct. Okay, so uh, Oladipo also went back to the Rockets. So the Rockets won this one. Um, they got. First round picks from Brooklyn, 22, 24, and 26. They also got swaps in 21, 23, 25, and 27. Holy crap. Um, they also get Cleveland's 22 first round pick from the Bucks, and they're sending a second rounder to the Pacers. Now, Brooklyn's also getting a second round pick. The Nets have three spots to fill now, and people are now just putting up all types of random names. Point of the matter is, you can see how easy it is to just wash away uh, Levert going to Indiana just because while he's good, he doesn't really move the needle for um for that team. For Cleveland, I like Allen and I like Sexton. Well, there was a Sexton is surrounded by the trees with Larry Nance and like I said, Kevin Love and Allen and RJ Drummond. But like you, you just don't. That's is it. That doesn't really move the needle. You know what I mean? Maybe when they can move some of those bigs and get some more wings and and some stuff like some like some stuff like that, it'll help. But right now. Their only two contenders for winners here are the Nets and the Rockets. And while I like what the Nets did, I'm worried about their chemistry. I'm worried about their depth more so than I am with uh, the Rockets because the Rockets are clearly going for that OKC plan where you start piecing stuff out and getting a whole bunch of picks and stuff back. And they look like a playoff team now anyway. So I like that. Win-win, ultimately. The fact of the matter is, though, he did force his way out, and one of the people who didn't like it was Shaquille O'Neal, who went on to say, because Harden, if you recall, went to the podium after a loss to the Lakers, talking about they're just not good enough. Um, you could see it. You could tell the chemistry just not. This is the dude who didn't show up until like two weeks ago. Talk about there's not chemistry is not good enough. The, the talent, before there was some some people wanted to see him. Boogie was ready to come. You know, he said the disrespect happened way before a press conference, so. Harden got out of there to save his skin, whatever. He was supposed to be integral in, in them having John Wall there. It was all bad. And Harden said he didn't think it could be fixed. The next thing you know, he's gone. So he got what he wanted. But Shaq's told him, 
you know, you can't go out there and say you gave them your all because you're complaining and you're talking about what, what did you do and Shaq didn't like it. And I, I hear Shaq, but whatever, because as Shaq said himself, he was that player. So to come back now and say it is not appropriate only because of the fact that you it took you till what point in your career to get that. Now, you could say Harden is older. He should he should know that already. He's a high, you know, high, what do you say? He went to the higher play, you know, MVP, whatever. Whatever his reasoning was behind uh, dogging him for it, I, I can understand where he's coming from. I would just say that uh, that's partially how a business is done, and I feel skeevy for saying that, but more important, more important than that, um, maybe he just isn't at that point where he is worried so much. And maybe there's more to it. Maybe we don't know. Can't say we don't know. The Nets, though, definitely lead the NBA uh, for candidates of the all-mercurial team with Harden, Durant, and uh, Irving. You got the guy that all the memes have been Mark Henry for Harden, who's come back looking like a D-lineman. Uh, KD has been posing, and, and Kyrie is just absent. So, um, yikes. Who's next go? Brad Beal, Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine. Yeah, that's the third name that I think might surprise a couple people. Now, listen. Beal, we know, is averaging 30 points on a horrible, horrible Washington uh, Wizards team. I'm not sure where he's going, though. You would think it would have happened by now if it was going to, and I just don't know if it is because I don't see who's coming to get him. You've heard a lot of connections to the Lakers and stuff, but everybody that you hear, connect, you hear connected to him, it just is unclear at how they could go about acquiring him. Aaron Gord is another guy who I had championed for the Bulls to go after um, but I think that maybe now him and Wendell Carter wouldn't jive, but I would still try it, to be honest with you. If, if you gave me the option today to trade him for Larry Markman, I might take that chance. You're going to lose something on offense, but you're going to gain so much more on defense and versatility, uh, I think, by swapping those two. And it's a fresh start for, for Lowry. You can pair him with Vucicic, and now you got two sweet shooting seven-footers uh, down there in Orlando as you're you know missing Jonathan Isaac. You can clear up some of the log jam, even though you need uh, – Isaac to play the four, but whatever. You take back, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. This this one works more for the Bulls than it does for them. I got to be honest about that. Uh, but Zach Levine, speaking of the Bulls, Zach Levine is a, t- a candidate to be traded simply because of the fact of where he is in his career and where this Bulls team might actually be. Now, they're competitive, but he's talking salary extension and the money just shouldn't be there from the Bulls. You can't lock in with Zach. I, 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 as much as I want to root for him, there's some still times when coming down the stretch, and I get where he's trying to do, what he's trying to do, but it, it's been more detrimental than it has been helpful. Some of the, the shot selection, the, the basketball IQ down the stretch has just been awful, and you can't have that. Um, he's played better defense. I think the effort's been better. He's, he's been his most efficient self uh, offensively, but again, down the stretch, those are things that, uh, that worry me, and I still feel like he might be better on the two, and I think he can help you supplement what you already have with some future assets. But again, that's if their their uh, negotiations on the deal exceed an amount that seems reasonable. Russell Westbrook has had an injury setback uh, for the Wizards, I, and I only bring that up to talk about him in the light that I talked about Cam Newton. It might just be time. Um, I told you many times that these are my favorite two players uh, in the NBA and NFL, respectively, it might just be time 
when the body betrays guys like this, it there's not much else for him to fall back on. I think we might be there with both of them. So uh, hopefully he gets back soon when he he can still do it. In, I just I it, it happens fast. I'd rather see it be a year too soon than a year too late for you go, to go out and and lessen the, uh, the glory. Now, perhaps in a better situation, because again, Washington is horrible. Um, much like I said, Cam didn't really get a fair shake, but I don't know if he would have helped in a good shake in a, in a better situation anyway. This is just, uh, it's not looking good right now. And there are going to be, be people who blame it on him for being there. Now they suck, but they've been sucking. Um, hopefully he can get back right. And hopefully he and Cam can get in the better situations to where they can get a chance to win a championship. Just win, go, go get a championship. Cam needs another shot. So they, they both do. They both went out bad in the championship round. I need them both to get back one more time. One more again. Even if it's as a co-pilot. Especially, I mean, it's, going, it's, it's, it's not going to be as a pilot. It's going to have to be as a co-pilot or a passenger. <laughs> but even if, as, even if it's as a passenger, let them get it right. They, I feel like they deserve it. Miles Turner, to turn to some positive stuff. Uh, Miles Turner averaging 4.2 blocks per game. Now, he's only played 11 games, so that number's very likely to come down significantly before the season is over. However, if he were to finish with that average, it'd be the most since the Kimbe Mutombo, the Mutombo in 95-96. The record, though, belongs to Mike, Mike, Mark Eaton of the Utah Jazz in 84-85. He averaged 5.6 per game. Miles Turner, though, has really turned himself into a, a highly coveted player um, and just a few years ago, people were talking about how Indiana was going to have to move him because he and Sabonis uh, can't occupy the same space on the floor. They should, it just wouldn't work. Well, they're both working, doing a damn thing, and the, the 4.2 blocks. You know, the Bulls really could use uh, some rim protection. And 12 points per game, which is what Turner's averaging, is not a lot, but the versatility is nice. Him and Wendell at the four, I could I could live with that. Miles Turner, Wendell Carter, I that's a nasty front court to me. And I, if I'm the Bulls, you got to talk to the Pacers. But if they can find some way to make that happen, that's the deal that needs to make to go happen. You give them Lowry, you give them something else. I don't know, but if you can make that move happen, that's that's some contender type ish right there. If you ask me. Speaking of surprises, Chris Boucher of the Toronto Raptors is on that Pascal Siakam workout plan. The man has seen his minutes increase by about. Oh, um, nine minutes or so, going from 13 to 22. Uh, but it's, it's some change in it, so I'm not just not doing the math. Clearly, nine, 13 to 22 is not. Um, but he's seen his points jump from 6 to uh, 15 points per game. So he's he's doing that same leap very much in the race for uh, most improved player early on and is just continuing doing good things. I, I like to see that th- what they're doing up there in Toronto development-wise is quite impressive. They're constantly taking these guys that, you know, our projects, see, uh, Boucher. I like Boucher. I liked him in college and Oregon, uh, but he was always slender. He's still slender, but they've they've got him playing at a level that I'm not sure anybody saw him uh, being able to reach. So good for him. Glad to see that. Yusef Nurkic break broke his wrist, uh, fractured uh, actually, which is a break, but obviously you different terms for for the severity of it. Um, the prognosis is that it's estimated to take about 16 to 32 games that he's going to miss uh, in that time span. That's a significant blow. And uh, for a player who missed most of last year with that knee, 
uh, that that gruesome, gruesome knee injury. Nurk just can't seem to catch um, any reprieve from from the injury bug here. Hopefully, he gets back in time for the Blazers and 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 in form for the Blazers to do some damage here uh, in the rest of the regular season. Yeah, more games postponed. I'm just gonna leave it at that because I thought we we're gonna have a big uh, run of this coming up here, um, especially as people are still getting cooped up. But you know, we're seeing. The, the outbreak spread up more, but you had the Hawks game postponed for Friday um, and some others. So we'll see what happens. Keep an eye on it. Uh, check out the Twitter feed for it and make sure that we keep you updated on that. Last thing I want to talk about, though, is the impressive rookie for the Chicago Bulls, Patrick Williams, uh, receiving high praise from LeBron James and uh, Kawhi Leonard. I wrote about this for PippinAteEasy.com, um, both of them. And I wrote, it's a uh, Patrick Williams mentions leading the uh, Chicago Bulls stock watch. He had LeBron talking about his his size and his build and all that kind of stuff, and LeBron uh, uh, was commenting, complimenting Billy Donovan and how he's got everybody prepared to play. Um, Kawhi Leonard noticing Williams' size, which is notable because everybody compares him to uh, Baby Kawhi. Shout out to Tommy Lee. Uh, I, I I listen. I don't know how else to put it, and he he says he's happy with the praise. Look, the kid is a, a stud. And I'm not sure that I uh, I have conveyed my my condole my apologies enough for doubting him like I did, but I definitely need to say it again. He proved me wrong in short order. Ten points not seem like a lot, but his poise is he's good on defense too now, and he's always seeming to make the right play. That's what's been most impressive to me. It's not necessarily that he's shot it great, the fact that he's out here clamping, even though he has the clamps. That's not it. It's the fact that he seems to always make the right play. And as you heard from his coach coming out of college, Leonard Hamilton, uh, Leonard, Leonard Hamilton, yeah, I always want to call him Leonard Williams. Leonard Hamilton of Florida State, um, while he didn't start many games, he finished them. And you know that speaks to his ability to know what's happening and be cognizant of the moment at all times. And it's shown so far uh, this early in the season, and I just want to keep seeing more. I love to hear the praise coming from other players, especially players of that ilk. So, um, Bulls seem to have a star in their hands. And again, as I always say when I when I say anything negative about my teams, uh, I hope I'm proven wrong. And this one seems to be a case where that's the case. So be it. I was right on Lowry, though. <laughs> I wrote about that. That was the other player mentioned in the stock. Watch where to read the reasons why. But I think you know. Um, Lowry's stock was not going the same direction as Patrick Williams. I'll let you decide which one was up, which one was down. But uh, it definitely wasn't uh, wasn't going to the rush for both guys. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck, uh, Facebook page, Clock Sports website, clocksports.com, email address, clocksports at gmail.com. Hit up the pods, Twitter, and Facebook at 3 Zeros Pod. That's the number 3 Zeros Pod. Be sure to read the stuff. Last run on Pro Football, Chicago Bears to their fans. Let that be cake and pivotingeasy.com. Um, Patrick Williams mentions Lee's Chicago Bulls stock watch. Also be on the lookout for the clock of sports, the running back, uh, NFL running in circles when it comes to backs, and the Harden trade brings the Brooklyn Nets full circle. Those should be coming out hopefully before Saturday uh, from clock of sports. That's going to do it. You already know what it is, man. Purple, purple.